Welcome to Mamlaka Hill Chapel Ruwaka's podcast. Join us as we explore the depths of sin in our new series on the seven deadly sins. We'll be exploring each one of them and with the help of the Holy Spirit, learn how we can be guarded against them. And here's today's message. Today I will not be talking about anger anymore, but we look at another deadly sin called sloth. Now, this is uh, perhaps one of the hidden sins that many of us don't even know about. Unlike uh, what Maura will be covering next week, last, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping the Lord will deal with him between now and then, yeah, so that he can speak uh, authoritatively on this matter. Uh, teaching him also to overcome this sin, should it be there. But Lorraine uh, will later on come and take us through greed and uh, gluttony, most of which you will know about. But the sin of sloth is somewhat hidden. It's hard to understand what this is. Miriam Webster in the dictionary will describe it as a disinclination to action or labor. Disinclination. I'm, like just my bend is to towards not working, not laboring. Also describes it as spiritual apathy and inactivity. Now, you see, much of the attention in the church has been drawn to lust, greed, pride, uh, such kinds of sin. But no one really thinks of sloth as deadly. If anything, we say, sloth says to us, Take it easy. Breathe. Get some relief. So what's, what's all this pressure about? Stop. Take a seat. Sloth says to us, relax. Rest. You deserve it. You've been working quite hard lately. Give yourself a break. And I know all of you are saying, yeah, right? Yeah. What's, what's so wrong with that? I, I, I fail to see what's so wrong with that. Many of us work so hard in order to take a break in life. Some of us save for months to afford that vacation. Those two weeks in Mombasa, in Dubai, doing nothing. The idea of vacation is to do nothing. You just eat, you drop your clothes uh, at the door, and your towel, and someone else comes and picks them after you. You pray for a job that moves you from working for five days a week. Forty hours is a lot. You move to four days. And maybe even four days with the possibility of half a day there on a Friday. Our dream is that we would retire early. Also, I retire by 40. Let me see your hands. Yes. Yes, retire early. Take a tour of the world in a cruise ship. Only in shorts. All day. Oh, okay, with sunscreen. <laughs> Doing nothing. Ladies, don't you admire the housewives of Atlanta <laughs> who are ever in the salon getting their nails done? after which they go to a yoga class doing their squats, right? 
finally some shopping in France. Who? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Men, you dream of that big truck. The one you've been having your eye on. Go golfing at midday. Maybe a quick tour to Nanyuki for a game, uh, shoot something, hunt something. Reading the newspaper at your favorite clubhouse with a Cuban cigar in your hand. <laughs> Don't even need to consume it, just hold it. <laughs> yeah. Just complete it. All the while entertaining the thought of, by the way, you know I can be an MP. <laughs> by guys. That's just, yeah. One of the best-selling songs sometime earlier was a song, Today, I Don't Feel Like Doing Anything. I just want to lay in my bed. I don't even feel like picking up my phone. So you leave a message if you can. Because today, I don't feel like doing anything. And it was a bestseller because many of you guys actually feel like, yeah, I want this. Who doesn't? This life, some of us even envision Adam and Eve, thinking about Adam and Eve. Like Adam was in the garden. You pick a fruit, you go by the river, you wash it, you take a bite, you come, you find your beautiful woman, Eve, who God created for you, just lying there. And then you start blabbering these names and whatever you say, the name becomes what you, what you, uh, you say, okay, I'm going to call you Mango. Yeah. I'm going to call you Sloth. And all these names stick. No laundry, no cooking, no dishes, no showering. Like it's just ease. Ease, bliss. We all want that. Well, the Bible talks about sloth, the sin of sloth. It describes the slothful man as a sluggard. That's the name that the Bible gives the man, a sluggard. This man is reluctant to work. This man loves to exert no effort. He is disinclined to any labor or, leg or exertion. This is a man of comfort. This man craves many stuff, like in Proverbs 21, 25. But the Bible says his hands refuse to work. You know, he has some cravings. He wants some stuff, but his hands refuse to work. Proverbs 13, 14 says he craves yes, but he gets nothing out of it. His cravings return empty. But one craving gets satisfied. That one craving, the craving of comfort, the craving of ease, the craving of sleep, the craving of his bed, the craving of doing nothing. That one gets satisfied. I was scanning the internet just to find some examples of what would represent a slothfulness. And some of these uh, I found very interesting. In fact, I uh, wondered whether they really truly are sloth. Like hitting the snooze button more than twice. Like how is that slothfulness? Let's just say I'm an ambitious guy. Every day I dream about waking up at three. 
but I have like 10 alarms. I know I'll wake up at 5. How about drinking juice from the bottle, straight from the fridge? How is that wrong? So you are just saving uh, dishes. Uh, why would you pile dishes and you can just drink from the bottle? Not returning your calls and your messages. Ah, if they want, if they really needed something, they will. They will call back. This one I found most shocking. But uh, wow, I really thought this is true. Not changing the tissue roll. Picture yourself, five minutes into the bathroom. You've been having a good time. You're even singing that song, uh, Today I Don't Want to Do Anything. Only to look around and where a tissue is supposed to be, you find a cardboard of a brown piece of cardboard hanging there. You almost want to cast the sluggard that, re- that re- did not remember to put up more tissue. These are the great evils of sloth. But up to now, I know many of us still believe, well, sloth perhaps is not so big a deal. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12 to 16. Listen to what the Bible says about this man. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes Okay, let me start from verse 12, sorry. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than that man. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion roams the streets. As the door turns on his hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but he's... Just too lazy to bring it back to the mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who will speak in wisdom. Now, just a few things we can observe here about this sluggard. First, he's crying. There's a lion in the road. A lion roams the streets. And all of you are like, where is the lion? I'm on the road. I'm out in the streets. What lion are you talking about? The guy is quite creative in coming up with excuses to avoid work. This guy is quite creative. And he'll go like in the morning, oh, you know, I'm not feeling quite well. I mean, take a day off. In order to not work. The guy will come and say, you know, I've been feeling a bit tired lately. So today, I'm not going to go for a real group. Never mind that it's been six weeks since the last time he received a call from the real group leader. We'll do the same for Nawiri class. I I see you guys who have uh, stopped coming for Nawiri class. The guy will wake up with a scratchy throat and say, ah, man, let me call Pastor Mumbi. I'll not be able to volunteer today. The guy is busy at work. That's why he could not return that call. The sluggard is always coming up with excuses. Excuses, excuses not to do, not to do work. 
Like a door on the hinge, the sluggard turns on his bed. He loves to sleep in. The sluggard will only get out of bed out of absolute necessity. Oh, and even then, if he manages to get out of bed, he cannot wait to get back in bed. He might be seen doing stuff, a lot of stuff, you know, turning on the hinge. But really, he goes nowhere, he achieves nothing, there is no result to his seeming activity. He is hinged to his bed, at least in his mind. He cannot wait to get done with the day so that he may retire back to his comforting ease. Sluggard. He buries his hand in the dish. But for the life of you, he's too tired to put it back in the mouth. It's <laughs> too lazy. He never finishes any task. Even if the task, his life depends on the task. As in, it's just it. Your life depends on it. Ah. It's too much work. People are always picking up slack after this sluggard. He has 10 unfinished projects. He hopes to get something. But somewhere along the road he gives up. He has no diligence to see it through. He loves to take breaks. You know, water break, like stretching break, each other break, lip balm break. And he's open to interruptions. If you want to catch up, you want to nini, the sluggard will always give you time. Any interruption is welcome. He's a master procrastinator. This sluggard, his favorite words are tomorrow and later. There is always tomorrow. We'll get to it later. He's ever checking his socials. Never focused enough to finish a task. Sluggard. He is wise in his own eyes. You know, he walks around convinced he is wise. He thinks that his avoidance of work is actually genius. Like, how? He supposes that he has fooled everyone. He has fooled the world. Gotten it easy. Rigged the system. He has conquered the tyranny of social expectation. You know, he says, I work best in the evenings. Yet, even in the evenings, you won't find him working. You know, I don't do early morning meetings. Neither do you do midday or evening meetings. He says, you know, I work smart. I don't work hard. He hates pressure. He will not listen to anyone but himself. In his pride, the Bible says, verse 12, there is more hope for a fool than for him. Let's look at three kinds of sluggards. First, this one we all know him. He does not want to work. He puts no effort in work. The first kind of sluggard is the coach potato. Proverbial. Remote in the hand. Binge watching Netflix. No effort to find work. Hand in the potato chips. He lives with his 
Who? Parents, relatives, friends. You pick it. If he can live in your house, he'll move in. <laughs> he can't find any work. But not that he can't find, is that he can't hold on to any work. He's a quitter. He's a guy who comes to work, and after he finds that it's his hard work, he decides work shouldn't be hard. This guy is the guy who thinks that everything he does, he must enjoy it. Otherwise, if there is any exertion, he quits. He thinks that he can only work for his hobbies. This guy is a lousy employee. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 26 will tell us he is a dis, he's displeasing to his employer. In fact, he says, like smoke to the eyes. Have you ever been in a smoky room? Especially with uh, cold firewood. That's the way a sluggard is to their employer. Tingling, almost irritating to the eye. He is always missing opportunities. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 4. He sleeps during the plowing season, the planting season. And then in summer, or when it's time for harvest, he comes out empty. Of course, he has nothing to go and harvest. He has mastered the art of disinclination to work. In fact, the disinclination to work has mastered him. He is enslaved by his aversion to exertion. Work is a misery to be avoided. He finds it a burden that he cannot bear. This kind of man is the man that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 25, verse 26. Many of you know this parable. This is the parable of the talents. And a guy gets uh, five talents, another one two talents, and the last guy gets one talent. Some of you might think, oh, one talent, only one talent. One talent of gold, perhaps in today's day you would call it 100M uh, worth of gold. The others get 500M, but hey, you have 100M of gold. But after receiving his uh, talent, he was too lazy to put any effort to it. Jesus will call him, you wicked and lazy servant. Wicked and lazy servant. He couldn't even carry it to the bank or to the lenders to earn some interest. He simply dug a hole next to it and dropped the thing in and covered it with mud. Verse 30 tells us that he's a worthless servant. Jesus will say, throw him outside into utter darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is the sluggard. Paul, talking about this guy in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, he'll say, one the idol. One them. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, he takes it a notch higher. He says, keep away from the idol. 2 Thessalonians 3, 14, he'll say, do not associate with the idol. In fact, let them be shamed. Bring shame on them. Because whoever does not work should not also eat. So if a sluggard comes knocking at your door tomorrow, please don't give them any food. 
they should not eat. At this point, let me talk to the men briefly. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, will say, if you can't provide for your family, you have denied the faith. And he says you are worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. Now, I'm not talking about uh, falling into hard times. Because we all fall into hard times. I want to believe if you lost your job today, before you get another job, or before you find something else that will actually bring food on the table, there will be a time perhaps you are unable to provide for your family. But if you are the guy who is always at the couch, doing nothing, waiting for somewhat something to fall from heaven, maybe manna, you have no exertion that you are putting to going to provide for your family or finding opportunities to do so. You are a sluggard. Paul says of you, you have denied the faith worse than an unbeliever. Proverbs chapter 6. Let's, let's read there as a way of application to this guy. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Sluggard, awake. Learn something from the ant. How long will you lie there? Get up. Abandon your sloth. Must you starve to death that you may rise? Must you continue to crave without any satisfaction? This is the first category of the sluggard. He does not like to work. The one who does not work. The second category of the sluggard is one who does not work passionately. He has no zeal. This kind of sluggard is a little complicated from the first. He faithfully shows up at work every day, perhaps for years. He's not the employee of the year, but he gets things done. He doesn't give any more than he's asked. Not a second more in the office. But to uh, 4, 4.59. Clocking out. He takes nothing outside his responsibilities. He only does what he's paid for. And he's very clear about his job description. This sluggard complains and grumbles for any extra duty put on his plate. He demands compensation for it. In fact, if you don't compensate him, then accolades and recognition might cover for the extra drop of sweat. This sluggard is always checking on the neighbor's work. Find out whether he's being ripped off for the amount of effort that he's putting. And when he finds out that the colleague has gotten a raise, he gets furious. There is no delight, no joy, no zeal, no passion. 
He has no purpose. He has no vision. He's just getting by. His work is, he's just paying the bills. On Monday, this sluggard cannot wait for Friday. And on Friday, he dreads the coming of Monday. He is disconnected. He does not care much. He's mostly bored. You find him just swinging in the office. These are ordinary men, but they are men who have given too many excuses, men who have given too many refusals, men who have done too many postponements. They are willing to benefit from the work of others without putting in their fair share. Do you know such a man? Could this perhaps be the reason why in church we struggle with volunteers? Always calling for volunteers. You want your kids dedicated? You want them taught God's word faithfully? Oh, but not by you. Or you want a warm reception when you come to church and, and receive a nice sitting space. Yeah, but not you doing that to others. Oh, you love to be hosted in the real group. Amazing fellowship. Oh, but never you offering the hospitality. You love the worship. But even though you are gifted, you can never put in the time. You want to be a beneficiary of this ministry in the growth of your own faith. But you do not want to faithfully give. You are not faithful in your tithing. We must be willing to do our fair share. I know some of you were saddened to learn about the death of one of our church most valuable members. Someone else. Someone's passing created a big vacancy that will be difficult to fill. Else has been with us for many years. And for every one of those years, Else did far much more than any normal person's share of work. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked for for inspiration as well as results. Someone else can work without group. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, a meeting to attend, one name was on everyone's lips. Let someone else do it. It was common knowledge that someone else was among the largest givers in our church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed that someone else would make up the difference. Someone else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman, but a person can only do so much. While the truth known, everyone expected too much from someone else. Now, someone else is gone. We wonder what we are going to do. Someone else has left a wonderful example to follow. But who's going to follow it? Who's going to do the things that someone else did? Remember, guys, we cannot depend on someone else anymore. 
May his soul truly rest in peace. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual father serving the Lord. You see, the opposite of sloth is not just work. The opposite of sloth is diligence. To have a sense of purpose. To know that this is where God wants you to be. To plug yourself with your energies and your mental capacity to this that God has ordained for you now. You are created for his glory. You must make him proud. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 tells us, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As though working for the Lord and not for, and not for man. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Because in the grave where you are going, there is no work. So throw away your sluggishness. Quit your petty excuses. Find joy in your work. Honor God with your labor. Perhaps God will call you someday, good and faithful servant. And you shall be welcomed into his eternal dwellings. Finally, the third guy who is a sluggard You've seen the guy who does no work, the guy who does work passionlessly, has no passion for his work. Now the guy who does not work on priorities. This guy is not intentional about his work. You see, he may appear to be the model worker. In fact, he is the employee of the year three times in a row. He is ever in the office. He is ever in meetings. He is surpassing the expectations, meeting his KPIs. He is ever busy. You can never catch him idle. His schedule is full. It's a miracle if he is able to squeeze you in. He always gives more than he is asked, especially in the office. He is early, he is present, he is dependable, he is an employee of the year. He is all that you would expect and more. He is ever going to an engagement. He is never slowing down enough for a real conversation. He eats his meals between transit. He skips sometimes altogether, and his weekends are always packed with work. You take away this job from him, and the guy has nothing. He is what he does. This guy avoids being alone. He doesn't like being alone. He never sits down to reflect or to rest. He never pays attention to his health. He's always complaining of tiredness, but never doing anything about it. This guy avoids time with his spouse. They have dirty pending conversations, but never enough time to finish one. He never takes time to compliment. He never notices what has been done and say thank you. 
He never has time to go out on a date, for example. Guy is a busy man. He's a busy man. Seldom does he see his kids. See, he's always saying, I am securing the future of my children. Though he shows very little concern about their present. And by that I don't mean school fees and rent and food and uniform. I mean play. I mean homework. I mean conversation. I mean discipline. Mr. Busy Man. Mr. Busy Man never has time for friendships. Mr. Busy Man had promised a friend who was hospitalized to go and see them. Now they are back to work. Never got to eat, really. He promised others who had a newborn. Now the child is six months old. I'll come and see you. Mr. Busy Man has a friend who lost their sister. Wanted to go visit. It's been a year now. Mr. Busy Man has some friends who their marriage was not doing so well. They have now filed for divorce. Mr. Busy Man has not come. He never, fu- he never fulfills his word. This busy man has promised the person they stay with, come we stay, that we will officiate the wedding. You know, we'll make it right. But just the time to do it becomes a bit of an issue. Mr. Busy Man has a nanti who has cancer, but never really got the time to go. Mr. Busy Man needs to call his parents. That call has not come yet. Mr. Busy Man knows he needs to apologize to his brother for some words said on holiday. But he hasn't done so. Mr. Busy Man promised his family to go on holiday. But you know how it is at work. He keeps postponing to join a real group. He signed up to volunteer but never showed up. Mr. Busy Man needs to be excused from the baby dedication classes. Even though there are just three of them. Because men work. Mr. Busy Man never finished his Nawiri class. In fact, this year, he desired to do the chronological Bible study, but never got to start. Mr. Busy Man never went for BSF. Mr. Busy Man is not serious about his godliness. He is busy. I I guess he never really got to the important stuff. Because he's always only at work. This man is distracted by the less important things. He has used that as an escape, a place for avoidance. He uses it as a place for disengagement. He is self-centered. He is never sacrificing for anyone. He is self-giving. Mr. Busy Man only does that which profits himself in the end. 
He is lazy in his loving of the neighbor. Mr. Busy Man is lazy in loving God. He is lazy in loving his family, his spouse, his children. He is lazy with his commitments. Mr. Busy Man is indisciplined when it comes to godliness. No, Mr. Busy Man only goes through the motions. He's flying on autopilot. He knows something is wrong somewhere. But he's too lazy to do anything about it. Mr. Busy Man finds it's not bad enough to move him into action. He is letting things run their course. He's getting through with his life. Yes, Mr. Busy Man. You see, escaping the real work is still sloth. Putting off that conversation a month down the line, that is sloth. One more hour in the office when you don't need to be there, at the expense of your family, that is sloth. Not finding time to commune with God two weeks down the line. You are slothful. Letting your marriage fall apart because of unresolved issues and you have sought no help, you are sluggard. It doesn't matter how many hours you put, how many more hours you put in your job. As long as you are not there to attend to the more important issues, you are a sluggard. So have that conversation today. Make that call right after this service. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. Thorns everywhere, weeds on the ground, a stone wall in ruin. So let me ask you, Mr. Busyman, how is your field doing? How are the walls of your marriage? As strong as they were? How about the fields of your children? Are they weeded through discipline? How about the grounds of your soul? How many thorns have you allowed to sprout? And if you think you are doing well, can your spouse, can your kids, can your family, can your church say the same? Now you see the guy here is saying, I went past the field of a sluggard. It will show. You may try to cover it with all this business. Soon enough, the fruit of your slothfulness will show. How must we deal with sloth? The way to deal with sloth is to consider the example of Christ. First, 
Christ was never slothful. Never slothful in his work. Listen to what he says in John chapter 9 verse 4. As long as it is day, I must work for him who sent me. John chapter 4 verse 34. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work. John chapter 5 verse 17. My father is always at work up until this day and I too, I am working. Jesus was never slothful. Not for a single day. Not for a single minute. You know, work was created before the fall. Some of you think that exertion and hard work was a result of the fall. No, the command by God for us to work was given before the fall. He placed them in the garden, man and woman, to take care of it and to tend it. Jesus, secondly, was never lacking in zeal. Even to the point of death, when in Gethsemane he's crying and saying, Lord, this cup is too heavy for me. Take this cup away from me. Because he understood exactly what was going to be asked of him on the cross. Jesus never quit. Even when he was going through the journey to Golgotha, falling three times, every time he woke up and kept moving forward, he was not lacking in zeal. He will say, every of which the Lord gave me, none has been lost. He's zealous for his people that much. He never lost his sense of purpose. Jesus never quit on us. Jesus was never casual about our salvation. Not for a day. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 will say that he learned obedience through suffering until he was perfected. Finally, Jesus never pursued his own ends. He was never busy with his stuff. John chapter 6 verse 38. I have come not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John chapter 5 verse 19. The son can do nothing of himself. He does that, only that which he sees the father doing. So unbeliever. There is an appointed day, according to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, it is appointed once for man to die and then to face judgment. Awake from your sloth. Give ear to what the Spirit is saying. Today is the day of salvation. Who tells you you have tomorrow? Your life might be demanded of you this very minute. And what will become of your slothfulness? Oh, unbeliever, you keep postponing this decision, oh sluggard. Arise from your sleep. Call on the name of the Lord. He will not send you away. Because what shall it profit a man that in your diligence of all other things, Mr. Busyman, you gain the whole world and yet you lose your soul? 
Believer, how long will you sleep there, you sluggard? How long will you let your fellowship with Christ die because of your sloth? Arise now. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 will tell us. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus says, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. You are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works that were prepared for you in advance to do. Arise, sluggard. Your spiritual discipleship is grind. No one promised you that it would be easy. No one said that you will live and like it or feel like it. But if you have to get there, you must put in the work. There are no shortcuts. So awake now. Strengthen your feeble knees, as the Bible says, and do it. Get to it. Believer, is your field abandoned? Are there thorns? Are its walls broken? Are there weeds everywhere? Stop hiding yourself in your work. Stop burying yourself in work. Face your issues. Pay attention to what is important. If you need to cut down on those hours, cut down on those hours. Soon enough, we will see the fruit of your sloth, as I said. It will be evident to us all that your field is untended, that your walls are broken. Soon enough, I tell you. Remember, every man shall be called to account. All of us shall stand before him who we must give an account for every deed that is done in this body. Let us pray.